Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And your dream team, animal communicator Joy Turner, dog father Joey Volani, dog trainer Alan Cable, and Dr. Debbie all answering your questions. 1-866-405-8405. It is toll-free. And Miss Stacy Cohn working hard in the newsroom. What's going on, girlfriend? You know, I went on vacation uh, about a week ago, uh-huh. and I got to tell you, I could not wait to get home to my dogs. I had a great time <laughs> on vacation, but there's just something about playing with my dogs. I just love to play with my dogs. But according to a recent survey, more than 80% of Americans don't put enough playtime into their lives. Huh. And if Americans could choose between their dog and their spouse to play with, Who do you think they would pick? (laughs) I'll tell you. Coming up on Animal Radio News. Well, of course. Yeah, that is an easy one. (laughs) (laughs) My dog never complains or bitches or moans or anything like that. That's why I like playing with my dog. Well, they don't talk. You know, they know how to talk. They just opt not to. They're smart enough not to. That's what I figured out. Actually, I'm reading a really great book right now, uh, Do Dogs Dream by Stanley Corinne. Is he going to be on the show? Yeah, he's coming up in about a week or two. He might even be next week. Oh, next really? Week. Their vision. I did. I was. I thought they had really great vision, but apparently they don't. They have 20-75 vision. What we see at 75 feet, they have to be at 20 feet to see. And uh-huh. also, this whole color thing, all the mysteries put to rest right here. They do not see red. And when you see, we have these big red toys. I know Ladybug has these red toys, and we throw them in the grass, and then she passes them in and we sort of make a joke about it. It's because she can't tell the can't difference. The so, red looks a little gray green. Well, I guess I'll wait till he comes on the show because I don't know too much. Well, I, I, I am, you know, so I'm not scientific, but you'd think all the sidehounds out there. I thought that was the whole thing is because they could see so damn good. Well, you know, I think what it is, it's you know, the movement. See, they see movement. They see very the well. movement. They, gotcha. They oh, see sense. flickers on the television. You yeah. know, you, you see all these things about dog TV and all these videos. That, truthfully, they see flickers. And I'll tell you more. Actually, Stanley Corinne will tell you more about that. Uh, that's a totally different show that I'm off on a tangent there. <laughs> Today, Jamie Farr from MASH, if you remember Jamie Clinger. Jamie Farr. Clinger, oh, yeah. Yes. yeah that, the, Jamie Farr was the, um, the, 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 the cross-dresser, right? There yes, he go. was. Cross-dresser. <laughs> and uh, he'll be joining us after he makes his uh, way over from Chick-fil-A today, I understand. Also, I just got off the phone with truck driver Terry, and he wanted to know if all the women on the show are as good-looking as they sound. And I am here to say they are better looking than they sound. Oh, thank you, mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, Yes, they are. They are. He said he tuned in to TLC when we were on TLC right. to check the women out Uh-oh. and only saw me because I guess the women ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. He was very disappointed. <laughs> he, he well, said, who did that? Wow, who was in charge of that ugly woman there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to do something for her. Yes, we do. We're going to go to the phones at one 405 8405 Joey, what are you talking about today? What's your tip of well, the week? If, if your dog has a little irritation, they're itching their ass off, I got the good tip for you. Right from the groomer's tack box. I had that problem when I was a kid, and it turned out I had worms. <laughs> Did you scoot along the carpet? Actually, it was awful. I scratched and scratched and scratched and scratched, and then and one day one of the worms came out, and that's how I found out. I was like nine years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't put your fingers in your mouth. Let's hit the phones. one 405 this time for Dr. Debbie, we have Deb calling from Hawaii. Hey, Deb, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? What's going on? 
Well, my cat's got an abscess on his foot. I think he got bit by another cat. I wasn't sure to begin with. And when he first presented, it was really, really swollen, and he was limping and stuff. So I gave him some homeopathic remedy. Um, Then the next day, I realized that he'd licked around the wound, and you could see a puncture wound. So then I started soaking it with hot water and trying to squeeze it out, and I was squeezing pus out. And so I did that for two or three days, and the swelling went down a lot. Of course, he didn't like it, you know, because I'm sure it hurt a little. And so I squeezed all the pus out as much as I could, and then it turned clear. So I kept continuing to do that. In the meantime, he kept feeling better and stuff. So now it got to a point where all the pus had come out, but there was still some liquid coming out. It was just clear liquid, basically. And a little bit of marble size left over. And now it's healed over. And okay. I can't get any more out. So it's still about a little bit of marble size, but it seems like it's going down a little bit. And he he feels fine. You know, he's fully energetic. Okay. So is there a reason that you haven't gotten this kitty on antibiotics and seen a vet? Um, I just haven't really seen a need for it to do that because I've talked to other people and they say, you know, pretty much it's going to have to run its course anyway. Okay. So I'm a fan of definitely um, minimalistic treatment if it is appropriate. And what you're describing when we have a swollen body part where there's actually pus coming out, that is for me a number one indication when we need to seek antibiotic therapy. Now, the small little cuts, scratches, um, things like that, yeah, I'm a fan of superficial treatment using something like Vetrocin, just a little bit of wound care. But once you have swelling under the skin, redness, warmth to to the tissue, issues, once you have that for more than 12 hours, you've got an established infection or cellulitis. So we need to get that kitty on antibiotics. And um, while I'm glad he's feeling okay, in your opinion, normally with kitties in this situation, when they have a really swollen, pussy body part, antibiotics within 24 to 36 hours, this will be done and gone. So, um, you know, it's a missed opportunity to expedite the healing in your pet. Um, not too late, and I would certainly still see about getting this kitty on some medication. And there's a lot of ways we can do that. Some There's even an injectable antibiotic in cats that you just give once, and it lasts for several weeks, so you don't have to keep redosing. Anything, I think, in this point um, would be helpful to, to see this to resolution. Um, and uh, again, it's just... Uh, you know, pain control is another big thing. Once we get to these red, swollen, painful things, I was almost sent to the hospital for a cat bite. And a lot of times what happens with these wounds that kitties and dogs get is the skin will seal over very quickly and it traps that bacteria and the infection under the skin. So while, yes, we do need to get that infection out and liberated, um, we also have to treat it at its core. And uh, antibiotics are definitely indicated for these type of situations. So um, I, I would just encourage you to see that um, at least get some of that basic care that that we need to get going. And then you can supplement that with the home care, um, the wound care, soaks, and so forth on top of that. Does that make sense? Well, it, it makes sense, but he, um, it is not hot and it isn't red. Okay. Well, we're past that point now, but as I said, once we have pus, pus is yellow, it's white. Once we have that thick exudate coming out of the skin, that is an established infection. So that's the point where we really should be intervening with antibiotics. My goal as a veterinary is to help preserve suffering in pets. So I want to make sure that we get the best help we can as early as possible and for the most appropriate situation. So um, that would be my recommendations. And just in you know the future... 
uh, for those small cuts and scrapes. I like that approach. I think that's a very good proactive approach. Um, but there's a time you need to pick up that phone and see the veterinarian. Okay, now what were you suggesting for those small scratches you mentioned um, there's a product um, that I use a lot in the office, um, and I know some of the other fans of the show use. It's called Vetricin. It's a topical spray that um, does not contain antibiotics. It does not contain any harsh chemicals, and it kills um, bacteria and uh, uh, other organisms very rapidly with an application. So you can use that for those little oops, cut scrapes, um, and not meant so much for wound flushing um, in that instance, but for the topical things. So hope that helps, Deb, and uh, give your kitty a, a good pat on the head, um, and I hope he's back to feeling his old feline self uh, very soon. one 405 8405 When police rescued an African gray parrot from a Tokyo rooftop, they had no idea where he came from. The parrot spent a night at the police station and then was transferred to a nearby veterinary hospital. According to the police, the parrot hadn't said a word, but a couple days into his stay with the vet, he suddenly said, I'm Mr. Yosuke Nakamura. He then recited his full address and entertained the staff by singing some songs. The police checked the address and found Yusuke's very relieved family, who explained that they had been teaching the parrot his name and address for about two years, which sounds a lot more useful than Pollywanna Cracker. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Channel Cable with today's dog tip. We got a call on Animal Radio from a gentleman whose dog was marking. The dog's a Rottweiler mix, and he wanted to know how he can stop it. Well, the first thing you should do is always get your dog fixed early. Next, it's always a good idea to take your dog to the vet and make sure everything's okay with the plumbing. If that checks out, it's time to deal with the reality that your dog is marking the territory in and around your house to defend it. Marking is a way dogs let other dogs know, hey, this territory is occupied, and it will be protected. Dogs do this when they feel like there's nobody in the household strong enough to protect the territory. There's no leadership. One of the ways you can begin demonstrating leadership in your house is to stop your dog in the act of marking, but you've got to catch him right in the act, right while he's doing it. Right after is too late. Keep a short leash on your dog at all times. As soon as he makes his move, as soon as he cozies up to a piece of furniture or a place he's gone before, give it a quick yank. Then usher him outside as quick as you can. When he starts to go out there, you tell him he's a good dog. The other thing to remember, and we've talked about this before, is you got to clean all the spots where he's gone. But you've got to use a cleaner that gets the scent out, or he'll be tempted to revisit those spots when you're not looking and mark again. You can get cleaners like this at your pet store. Remember, you are your dog's teacher. He's going to learn everything about the world from you. And just like we say with our kids, do as I do, not as I say, dogs learn by watching what you do. You'll notice your dog spends lots of time staring at you, just staring. Sometimes it's unnerving. He's looking for signs of strength and weakness. He's looking for leadership. If you don't lead, your dog's going to feel it necessary to step into that role. And that's when the trouble starts. All kinds of trouble. So take a leadership role and decide to teach your dog what you expect, rules, limitations. Remember to be consistent and use affection only after your dog is behaving the way you want. A lot of people give affection first. Affection comes last. Because the more affection you give your dog when he's behaving in a way you don't want him to, let's say excited, the more excited he's going to be. You're reinforcing the behavior. Together, we can do this. Get more tips at Animal Radio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. This is Animal Radio. one 405 What was that? I got the hiccups. You're right there, pal. I'm sorry. Right? Give you a good shot on the back or something. Yeah, if you could do that. <laughs> Jeez, man, almost out of the What's room. What's that there. that flew out there? What I don't know. That? I think it was my dentures. It was a feather. <laughs> Let's uh, go to the phones. We have Wendy on the phones for Alan Cable, dog trainer extraordinaire. <laughs> Hello. Hey, I'm Wendy. glad it was your hiccups and not my phone. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on in your world? Well, I have this adorable, sweet, lovely uh, year-and-a-half-old golden doodle. He's neutered. And lately, when I take him to the dog park, if he finds a ball, he'll get very possessive of it with the other dogs. It's not his ball? It's a, it's another no, dog's ball? No. It's one he finds, and he has plenty of toys at home, and he doesn't do that when other dogs come to my house. But he does it yeah, that's, uh, that's another uh, another kind of aggression called possessive aggression. I like to uh-huh. call that. It's, uh, it's when a dog, in the old days, when dogs were first becoming dogs, you know, they would compete for everything. They'd compete for uh-huh. their food and they compete for their sleeping place, their mates. They compete. And so uh, today, dogs often guard their food. Some of them guard where they sleep. Some of them guard their crates. Uh, some of them guard even the, the beds that their owners sleep in. So when your dog's taking a, a toy away from another dog and acting aggressive towards that dog, he's taking possession of that toy. And so you probably don't like that. You want him to stop, right? Yeah, because I'm afraid he's going to act aggressive toward, like, a pitbull or something down there, you know? Yeah, take and his I don't toy know away. how to stop him or what, what to train him. Or <laughs> well, the simplest thing you can do is keep your dog on a leash at the dog park, okay? And do you, does your dog know the command "no bite" or "give"? Do, have you taught your dog to let yeah. go of things? Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I say let go. All right, so what you can do is you can bring your dog to the dog park on a leash, and you can actually elicit the help of another dog owner and take that toy and actually give it to your dog. Give the other dog's okay. toy to your dog, and then give your dog the command "no bite." And I believe when you do when you do training, when you do behavior modification with dogs, it's real important to reward them for for the behavior that they're doing that you want, and not reward them for negative behavior. When they're not doing what you want, you just pay no attention to them, or you actually you know you you just you give them a, a quick correction like "no," you know, like that. So when the dog lets the toy go. You actually give the dog some praise and turn around and walk the opposite direction very fast away from the toy. And keep practicing that. The next step is to let the other dog walk over and pick up his toy while you've got the do- your dog on the leash. And when he acts calm, when he's acting calm, if he acts kooky, you turn and walk the other direction quickly, giving him a correction. Because as soon as the leash gets taut, he's going to get a major correction in his neck. And that's going to teach him that not only are you in charge, he has to be close to you, pay attention to you 
issue, and it's going to get his mind off being possessive of that toy very quickly. And, and as soon as he starts to calmly behave when other dogs come around and take their toys back or pick up toys, you give him praise, and then you let him off the leash. As soon as he's calm and not possessive, that's when you let him off the leash. Up until that point, you've got to keep him on a leash at the dog park so that you can make those corrections when he acts aggressive and other dogs' toys are around. Yeah, because this is very strange behavior because when I've, I've um, socialized him from the day I got him as a puppy, and he used to like to go to the dog park and play with other dogs, but lately um, all he does is look for lost balls and want to play with me. And then when he's too tired of playing and doesn't want to be around other dogs, he'll take that ball and go off somewhere and guard it. Has anything happened? Any, anything? Is he, has he been attacked by another dog or, or frightened by well, other do when, another dog? When he was growing up, because uh, um, he was smaller, the other dogs you know, would do what they do. Um, and I, I would watch very carefully. And um, he, he finally one day, these three dogs went out at once, and he laid them all out one by one, faster than I've seen a pit bull move. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And since then, he hasn't had to protect himself, and he hasn't done that. Well, it's interesting what you say. He hasn't had to protect himself because you, as the pack leader, you're almost charged with protecting him. So if you're going to let your dog off a leash around other dogs, you have to be prepared to step in. And you have to be very careful when you do this because you don't want to get bitten. But you have to you have to learn to step in and show your dog that, yeah, you're the pack leader. You're going to protect him. When he knows okay. he has to protect you and himself, makes him very anxious. I have a, another neighbor. I was telling a neighbor story before, and he was watching uh, three dogs here in the neighborhood. And the dogs were literally having their way with him. They were jumping all over him. and. Yeah. So he called me up on the phone, and I went over there, and, and basically every time they tried to jump on him, I just took the space away, just walked forcefully right into the dog and, and said okay. no. It's kind of like you have to be in charge. You have to walk in front of your dog. Don't let your dog walk in front of you on a leash at your side or behind you. Don't let your dog enter the house before you. And when you bring your dog around other dogs, watch the body language of the other dogs. If you see any sign of aggression, put yourself between your dog and those dogs. Not not when they're biting and attacking, but take the space away from the other dog. Be the pack leader. Be so he, he thinks that... He's protecting me instead Absolutely. of the other way around. Absolutely. He is okay. he is your pack leader. He's in charge. Uh -oh. And because dogs are not dogs are not meant to be the pack leader, it makes them anxious. It makes them I fearful. Understand. Okay. Well I will go home and take care of that. And thank you for having such a wonderful show. I can call. Thanks, Wendy. We appreciate your call. <laughs> thank you. Isn't it great that we have a show that we can uh, call? I know. Like no, no, wait a minute. Now, what happens when somebody's breaking into my house and I want the dog to not look at me and say, what are you going to do? That's Joey. That's an interesting preponderance. And I will tell you right now that even if your dog, if you had like four dogs and two adults, the lowest dog on the totem pole in the pack order will step up and defend the pack when necessary. It's just like here at the studio. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. If um, somebody breaks in, we'll use Hal as a shield. <laughs> <laughs> this portion of Take Animal care. Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals, canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. 
No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by the Scoop-Free Self-Cleaning Litter Box. Never see, touch, or smell messy waste again. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. Officials at an Oklahoma library have turned to a four-legged friend to deal with a recent bed bug infestation. The Tulsa World reports that the state's only bed bug sniffing dog, Miss Liberty Bell, was called in to see just how bad the Tulsa Central Library's problem was. The facility was evacuated after somebody said they were bitten. However, a spokesman says it appears to be an isolated incident, believed to be contained within a small portion of the library. Still, though, the entire library will remain closed until Miss Liberty Bell and a team of exterminators are certain all of the bed bugs have been expunged. Nothing like a dog going in to kill a bug, right? I don't know. Who trains a dog to get bed bugs? How does a dog know uh, from one bug to the next? Anyway. Former host of The Price is Right, Bob Barker, and the group Mercy for Animals is calling on Walmart. They want them to stop buying pork from a factory farm that he says treats pigs cruelly. On a website video, Barker narrated an undercover video that was made at a factory farm. These pigs in these crates can't even turn around. They can't lie down. Every day is a living hell for them. Barker uh, held a press conference in L.A. He was talking about the undercover video. He's seeking to pressure retail outlets and restaurant chains to stop doing business with suppliers that use the small pens to hold pregnant sows. Well, if you would like to put more playtime into your life, one of the best things to do is get a dog. A recent Beneful poll shows that adults who have a dog are 30% more likely to carve out opportunities several times a week to play. And for 61%, the play companion they enjoy the most is their dog. By comparison, 48% would rather play with their spouse or significant other. And in addition, 47% of dog owners believe their pets would benefit from playing more often. I would rather play with my dogs than anything. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Is that slow enough for you there, Guido? I was moving a little too fast for you today. Jamie Farr, Klinger from MASH. Yeah, he's still alive, and he's going to be joining us in just a few minutes. I guess I shouldn't be saying that anymore. Stop saying that. Got the ire of the Doris Day you people know, when I said that. Yes, sir. Yeah, you've been saying that a lot about a lot of us. Well, because yes, so. i got to tell you, I think Animal Radio is where you go to die. I mean, look at... Look at <laughs> Seriously. Stop it. First, look at our sorry, careers. I, and I then, have chest pains. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then look, remember Davy Jones? Davy Jones called us, and then a week later, okay, he who died. Else? Let's no, see who else. No one else. Well, let's see. Um, no. No, there's some dead people. Uh, Rue oh. McClanahan. Oh, yeah. Uh, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Dom DeLuise. Buddy Hackett. Buddy Hackett. Okay. They all come on Animal Radio, and that's it for them. Okay, stop it. Sounds like a job for Columbo. <laughs> yeah. We here at Animal Radio believe all your 
your animals should be microchipped. And just spayed in case they and neutered. Lost. Spayed, neutered, microchipped. And you know what? I always say a tag because sometimes when they get lost, that's true. You don't know that they have a you microchip. Need something that you can read. You need something that you can <laughs> to read immediately. Okay. Uh, Okay, guys, let's focus. Focus. And this is this is very serious because the ASPCA did a random digit dial survey of pet guardians. They just got on the phone and started dialing numbers, and to just ask them if they ever lost a dog or a cat in the past five years. Now, out of a thousand people that they called, fifteen percent had lost a dog or cat in the last five years. That's quite high, I think. Actually, a lower number than than had been reported. Really. Is that a lost um, pet that doesn't come home, or is that a dog that just runs down the street and, 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 well, and you can't find them for five minutes? Some of them have come home. Some of them have come home. 85% of those lost dogs and cats were recovered. Uh, and then the percentage of lost dogs compared to the lost cats, quite similar. 14% of the dogs and 15% for cats. And then cat guardians were less likely to find their cat. Only 74, 74% of those lost cats were recovered, while 93% of those lost dogs were recovered. On the phone, we welcome back to the show Dr. Emily Weiss from the ASPCA. She's the VP of Shelter Research and Development for the ASPCA. Welcome, Doc. Thank you. Great to be here. I am always concerned about all, you know, we have so many animals, and some of the animals that we have, if they hear a noise, they get really spooked and they take off. I, I, on 4th of July, I lock them all into a, one room because I don't want them to run away. And mm-hmm. that has been, you know, 4th of July, the week after the 4th of July, we get dozens of calls, people saying, I lost my dog, I lost my cat, can you make an announcement on the air? Yeah, well, you know, year-round, people can definitely lose their pets, and, and certainly the 4th of July uh, is a time when uh, there's a potential for your pet to run away and um, act in a, in a way that you might not expect, which is often when folks lose pets, uh, you know, things are a little bit different. You're moving or uh, you have equipment coming into your home or it's often um, at times that something different is happening in your home. So you did this random digit dial survey. Tell us a little bit about that. What did you find out? Um, well, yep, we did this survey of um, pet owners, uh, and uh, we really just wanted to find out uh, what the um, experiences are around lost pets and how many people lose them, of those who lose them, how many get them back, um, and where do they look. We were really interested in finding out um, how people are searching for their pets. Mm. And what we found is about 15% of people who uh, have owned dogs or cats have lost them within the last uh, five years. Um, but uh, more of them were recovered than we actually expected. So That's good. Yeah, 93% of dogs and uh, lower for cats, which is a little concerning, 74% of cats. Um, but when you think about some of the differences between uh, uh, how pet owners treat dogs and cats, especially um, I heard you talking a little earlier about ID tags, um, cats are less likely to be wearing a collar and tag than mm-hmm. dogs are. And, in fact, we have... I've um, done some research around ID tagging as well. Well, I'm always worried of putting a collar on a cat because they're climbing in trees. And uh, frankly, your cat shouldn't be outdoors anyway. But if you do have an outdoor cat and they do have a collar, they're climbing in trees. And will that collar get caught on a branch or a twig? Could they choke? Could something happen? That's my main fear. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, and there's been some great data, um, some great research around um, collaring and cats and looking for uh, the incidence of, of issues like uh, getting the collar caught and found that it's, in fact, very, very low. Uh, and um, the simple buckle collar, just that, that 
regular buccal collar that we normally put on dogs as opposed to cats is the one that's less likely, least likely, to um, get hung up anywhere. You know, they also have those breakaway collars, too, that if something, I guess if there's a pressure put on it, it'll just go ahead and unlock. Mm. So if they do get yeah. snagged or hung the, the, the same research um, study found that those breakaway collars don't always do what they're supposed to do. They don't uh, always break away. Um, and also, they can break away at the wrong time. What amount of these animals that were found had microchips, what role does the microchip play? Um, well, in our study, the microchip was not um, a way in which the dogs or cats were got home. Um, part of that is simply because not that many dogs or cats um, have microchips yet. Really? And um, in order to get home with a microchip, the animal needs to get to a vet or get to a shelter. We um, are huge proponents as well um, of microchips and feel that they're very, very important. But they're almost uh, the second safety net. The first safety net is that simple ID tag. Hey, let me ask a question. With people losing their pets, how, how much do you find that it's just pure negligence? Because I know, listen, I've pets my whole life, and we've always known to close the gate behind you, make sure you're not opening the dog, the door and letting the dogs run out. I mean, I don't lose pets. I mean, so how often do you find that it's just negligence of the pet owner? You know, I work in animal welfare with people who um, would lay their life on their line for, for their pets every day, including me. And some of them have lost their pets. It's, and things can happen to all of us, whether it's mm-hmm. um, we, we make sure we shut that door, but a, a hinge breaks. Or, um, you know, we lock the gate, but um, a service person leaves it open. Things can happen, uh, even to the most responsible people. What have you learned from the study? What kind of recommendations do you have for people in the future should they lose? their pet? What are the best tips you can give them? Well, one of the most important things um, that we learned is that the the majority of people who lost dogs and cats found them within their neighborhood. Uh, And uh, we strongly suggest um, looking quickly um, and looking often for um, (laughs) your pet right in your neighborhood. Sorry, my my dog is making sure she's not getting lost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't it the deal with cats? People, you know, they lose their cats and then they start searching, going uh, in a a radius, you know, a mile out, then two miles out, and they realize they're just in the bush in the front yard. They're usually just hiding pretty nearby. You got it. Most most people are finding their cats nearby, and um, one of the things that we found with, with cat owners is that they can tend to wait too long, so they wait for the cat to come home uh, as opposed to going out and looking quickly. Now, what about what about stuff like catnip? I mean, if, if you're giving your cat catnip a lot and your cat's feeling all good and all that, even if he escapes, would he stay closer to the house because he's, you know, he's getting his fix? <laughs> I like your questions. You're making me laugh. Um, so, <laughs> your auditory catnip yourself. Um, I would say... Uh, that, you know, certainly catnip can, um, for some cats, can increase arousal. Uh, and what we recommend, if you are giving your cat catnip, um, to watch pretty carefully the first couple of times you give your cat catnip to, to watch the way that he responds. Um, potentially that, that the cat could also just get more aroused and excited and be more likely to, to run outside. I love that. Auditory catnip. That's what we're going to call you now, Alan. <laughs> Dr. Emily Weiss, thank you so much for joining us. We can learn more over at the website at www.aspca.org. Folks doing some great work. 
you'll roll over with joy for Bike Club, the new Melanie Travis canine mystery by award-winning author Lorian Berenson, amateur sleuth and proud parent of prize-winning poodles. Melanie Travis has a new book club catering to fans of crime fiction. That means when homicide hits her suburban town, this time she has a whole pack of mystery-solving pals to help her collar the killer. Dog lovers won't want to miss this light-hearted, playful caper. Bike Club is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Hey, Kathy, how you doing? I'm real good. How about yourself? Well, I'm hoping your animal's okay. Well, she is and she isn't. What's going on? <laughs> How's that for a terrible answer? Well, well, let's hear about it. Okay, she's one year old and she is spayed. Her name is Destiny. Okay. And she started having problems when she would go in the litter pan to have a bowel movement. She would come shooting out and kind of drag her rear end on the floor a little bit. And we thought at first maybe she had a hair, because sometimes you know that it gets stuck and all that. But it it would happen more than just once, so we took her to the vet. And the vet checked her out and said that her anal glands had fluid in them. So now she got the fluid out. And then... um, I think she stuck her on an inflammatory for a little while, but it was like two weeks after that, Destiny would start doing this again. So now she has her on a steroid, which we're weaning her off of it, and she's also on a very bland diet because of finding out about allergies. Mm -hmm. Now, my vet said there could be something else that's causing her to have this problem, because it's not always that the anal glands are that swollen or that filled up with fluid, but she couldn't think of it at the time. Now, you're going to say, why don't I just go back to the vet? The problem with that is she just had lost her daughter in a very tragic accident. So she's taking some time off, and I don't okay. like to disturb her, of course, with that. Okay, certainly. So now I got to ask you, Kathy, with your with your kitty, what was the status of the stool when she was having this problem? Was there diarrhea or constipation? Just normal. It was normal, but she was still coming running out of the the poop box. Yes. Okay. All righty. Because there's a lot of different things. When we're talking about something that's causing that dramatic of a situation coming out of the box, we're really going to look for anything that's causing pain. And that could be constipation. It could be diarrhea. And it can be anal gland problems. You know, in cats, it's pretty uncommon. It can happen. But especially in a youngster like that, I I look for some of these other potential causes. Mm -hmm. And as we're... as they're working on some of the diet management and the poops are normal. I'm really happy to hear that her stools are good, but we're going to have some challenges as far as now. Right now, is she using the litter box? Are we having any issues with that? No, we have problems now with that. She'll urinate in there, but she won't have her bowel movement in there. And I'm thinking she's okay. afraid it's going to hurt if she goes in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't have- know how to figure out how to help her with that part either. Okay. Well, if the if the stool situation is improving, so that we're pooping comfortably, we're we're certain that she's not in discomfort. We have to deal with this litter box aver- litter box aversion, which is a huge problem in cats. So if your kitty 
knows where the litter box is, uses it, and stops using it all of a sudden, especially if they're urinating and defecating outside of the box, we really have to look at the situation in the litter box. Now, for your kitty, we can really pair that with something painful and uncomfortable. And cats, when faced with that in the litter box, will refuse to go back to that. I and, uh, that. Yeah, so we have to retrain her to the whole litter box experience. And that means we're going we're gonna to start fresh. So we're going to find a new location for that litter box. Okay. We're going to add more litter boxes. And we're going to change the whole structure in the environment. So depending on what type of litter substrate you've used before, we're going to ask you to experiment with that. So if you've used scoopable, we'll maybe go to clay. If you had a lid on that litter box, get that lid off and set it aside. We're, we'll go back to that later. But initially, we need to train her without anything that's going to um, cause any kind of uh, compromising of her her emotional state, if you will. Okay. Um, and then we're going to also want to make sure that we change some kitties like easy entry into litter boxes. So I may even change the shape of the litter box. You don't have to buy those those silly ones at the pet store. You can make your own even out of um, plastic storage container trays. And okay. those are really nice, especially for older kitties that have troubles um, with missing the box because it's it can be a low edge. It's a pain to clean because they scoop <laughs> and they scratch things out. But for the cat, when we're trying to train them to make it as easy as possible, it's one other technique you can try to really make that um, less... Uh, scary or less of a um, imposition for her to use that. So we've got to do all of that and do not, like I said, do not put that litter box in the same location. Just the location alone can be a very big um, problem for many cats. Yeah, because when she goes, it's always close to where the litter pan is. Mm -hmm. So it's like she knows, but it's just, you know, she won't go in there. Exactly. And it's kind of like, you know, Oh, gosh, you know, when you go camping, you know, there are those porta potties and, you know, you just don't want to use them. Sometimes, you know, I don't know anybody who might do this and go off into the woods and, and go in the woods instead of using uh, the porta potty. But it does happen. And it's the same thing that our kitties are experiencing. They want to use it. They know it's the right place, but they just can't do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you've got the, you know, the right idea. We just have to get those things together to give her a new location, a new, new whole sense of the litter box experience. And then gradually, when she starts using that, then we can try to work back to the location or the preferences you have, but we've got to set that pattern first. So what do you think could be causing the pain when she goes if her anal glands aren't always filled with fluid? Yeah, for me, I I do a lot of the same approaches that your doctor has done where we change the diets. Um, I actually, as, as gross as it says, I like evidence. And I will actually ask my clients to bring the poop in because mm-hmm. I want I want to see that full movement. Sometimes there can be uh, changes in the shape or the size of a cat's stool. And that may give us some hints to some problems. If there's okay. any kind of looseness with that, mm-hmm. sometimes that may mean that, you know, maybe we really don't have a constipation issue. Maybe we have more of a parasite. Um, so those type of things we might want to deal with. Okay. And um, it, it's kind of challenging. And I, I know you don't want to trouble your vet and you don't want to, to you know, hit upon her in her time of trials. But your right. kitty has needs too. So I think that's yeah. a, you know, a valid thing. And most veterinarians have um, fill-ins or substitutes, folks that can kind of work in their absence. And, uh-huh. uh, and I think that would be very important for your baby. Okay. Good luck with that, Kathy. We thank, thank you for you. your call. This is Joy Behar on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets. 
Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 11th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. If you're in the Los Angeles area September 7th, come out to the kickoff at the East Valley Animal Shelter in Van Nuys. Meet any award-winning TV host of the weekly CBS series Lucky Dog, Brandon McMillan, who's the spokesperson for the tour, and who'll be signing autographs. Great prizes can be yours when you donate to spin our giant spinning wheel, with all proceeds benefiting the shelter that day. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to learn more. And who knows, you just might find your new forever friend celebrating the connection with our pets this is animal radio featuring veterinarian dr debbie white groomer joey villani news director Lori brooks and now from the red barn studios here are your hosts hal abrams and judy francis dr debbie answering your vet medical questions dog trainer alan cable dog father joey villani and animal communicator joy turner all here toll free 1-866-405-8405 very good you said it slowly slow for you? so people could understand yes yeah i understand well, you know, if you're listening to xm it says it right there on the dial but if you're listening terrestrially sometimes it does not say the phone number of the station so i i gotta i gotta slow down every once in a while sometimes i talk too fast for you i wish it spelled something doesn't spell anything. Confluga, but that's yeah. you know, that's, doesn't work. That's even harder to <laughs> it remember. It is harder, so don't, don't do that. How to spell it. Coming up in just a few minutes, Jamie Farr Klinger from Mash will be joining us, and yeah, he has animals in his life, and actually was a chinchilla farmer. Really? I believe that was I, one of his first jobs. Yeah. Are you sure? Are you, I'm looking at you, Hal. I'm not sure. Are you saying I'm giving misinformation, Judy? Because you uh, know I never do that. You like to make stuff. I don't do you like grow make, those things. Yeah, chinchillas. Yeah. What do you, where do you plant? What kind of soil they grow in? I will have to ask him. These are very good questions. You know, I was thinking, Manure. what the hell am I going to talk to him about? But now I'm going <laughs> to ask him all about growing chinchillas. Are they perennials? <laughs> Oh, they're an animal. I'm hearing right now in my headphones that they're an animal. A yes. soft, furry animal. They make chinchilla coats? Chinchilla yes. shoes? Oh, good. That's to what know. they used to do. We'll find out more about that in just a couple of minutes right here. And are we giving these away right now? Yes, oh, this let's is cool. give away a frolly cat bundle. A frolly cat bundle. You're probably saying, what the hell are they giving away? Do I really want to call and get a frolly cat bundle? Because yes, that sounds like I could be in trouble with the local authorities or something if they catch me with a frolly cat bundle. But no, you won't. Your cats will love you. See, here we have auditory catnip, Alan Cable. <laughs> oh. But uh, at your home, you probably don't have the joy of having Alan around. But if there was a version of Alan that you could have around, it would be the Frolly Cat Bundle, which includes the Frolly Cat Bolt, the Frolly Cat Twitch, and the Frolly Cat Dart. And what are they, Hal? They're toys for your cat. Okay. The Bolt is an interactive laser toy that provides hours of fun for you and your feline friends. You hold the Bolt in your hand and place it on a flat surface and watch your cat pounce, I've chase, seen and bat at this little laser toy. It's a, yeah, it's a laser thing, but you don't have to control it. You can set you it down. You don't have to do anything. Yet. You can actually set a timer on it. You can take off for the day, yes. and your cat will... We'll play while you're away. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And then put on the soundtrack from Saturday Night Fever and link yeah. it up. And then put up a webcam. <laughs> the frolic, By the way, speaking of webcam, if you haven't seen Paula Poundstone's webcam yet, she has a, a webcam right uh-huh. in front of her feeding bowls for, for her 16 cats. That <laughs> uh, was. Uh, and she has cute little things she posts on the wall. She has a little dry erase board and she writes. I'm going to put a link to that. That's over at the animalradio.com yeah, website. Her. Uh, Okay, so tell me more about Frolly Cat. 
say it with a little more enthusiasm. Tell me more about Frolly Cat. Really? Yes. Now, the the Frolly Cat Twitch automatically bounces and swings an enticing teaser toy. So this is like one of those little... Oh, like uh, a feather on a string or something. But it does it automatically. Wow. Again, you could take off and then turn on the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, you can do any soundtrack. That was just Alan's suggestion right there. Right. And then, of course, the Frolic Hat Dart. It's an automatic rotating laser light that provides hours of fun for you. And your feed line. Oh, okay. I got all excited there. So your cat watches you chase this yes, one. Yes, it's your turn. And then the cat can take off for hours while you're dancing around <laughs> in the Saturday Night Fever. Uh, turn it on. Watch the chase begin. Variable speeds and timer settings offer 16 exciting play combinations. The bundle, the Frolicat bundle, the bolt, the twitch, and the dart. And you can learn more at frolicat.com. Let's go ahead and give one away to the first caller right now at one 405 8405 But you have to have a cat. Sure. I was going to say. How many people buy them? that don't have cats. Which one are we going to? We're going to John? Going to John. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? Doing good. Where are you calling from today? I'm in uh, Florida. Beautiful day there today? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's great. Well, Dr. Debbie's right here. What's going on with your animals? Uh, Well, the problem that I have is I have a 100-pound boxer and I have a mutt, but they drink a lot of water. But what my problem is I have a a water bottle in the garage turned upside down. You know, the five-gallon bottle on top of a bowl, it used to only be a two-gallon, and I'd put a bigger one on, but it Mm -hmm. would get all moldy inside. So my vet told me it was okay to use pool water in it, which keeps it clear. But I'm just worried about them drinking so much pool water continuously. I mean, they always have fresh in the house, but they're always outside because they just have to be out with you. Now, where is this water container? It's in the garage or it's outside? No, it's in the garage, but it's just... The way it is, it just, it's so hot here and humid that it gets, you know, the bottle just starts getting moldy and and they drink quite a bit plus other dogs visit and they go through probably, I probably fill it twice a week. Okay. Definitely in a hot environment. So if we have a a large amount of water, we can definitely have some mold accumulation, some different, um, different things growing in there so that's not an ideal situation and definitely changing it more than twice a week i'd have to say for any water source ideally we'd be changing that water daily um, because that alone will help um, decrease the incidence of things growing in that water and and just losing its uh, freshness Um, so that would be one thing and uh, i'm glad to hear it's out of the sun because that's the other tip that i was going to recommend is to keep the water source out of the sun because that'll definitely um, hasten uh, the development of uh, green water or slime in there. But, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to pool water, and dogs drink pool water as long as we're dealing with the really diluted chlorinated water that's in pools. It's really not a big deal. Uh, the problem comes if you have pools that are shocked and that have the high concentration of the chlorine, the chemicals in that. That's when we really don't want to be touching that water. That should not be any business for the doggies at that time. Um, but for every, you know, everyday water, it's it's not a big deal. And, okay. uh, you know, some folks, you know, will even uh, add a little bit of bleach to drinking water as a way to keep uh, it uh, uh, safe if you're out hiking. Um, so that's even one thing that we can do is some use some very dilute bleach in the drinking water. Well, that was <clears throat> that was my next question as opposed to, you know, them continuously having to pull water because I'm just out. I work so much outside and they're always out with me and they're just continuously using this bottle. And, uh, I mean, you know, they, they kill it, but it's still, it just starts getting green. That was another suggestion was one tablespoon of bleach per gallon of water. And I wasn't sure about, I mean, they say it's okay for humans if you let it sit 30 minutes. 
but I wasn't sure for these guys or just stay with the pool water and I'm fine. Yeah, I mean, I could see a benefit with the the bleach, and I think what you said is much higher than what I typically use. I only use about eight drops per gallon um, for um, for the sanitation, sanitizing that water. So um, at that level, you might pick up a little bit of an odor of bleach, but you just kind of let it sit, like you said, and it should be okay for long-term ingestion. Um, but you don't want to eyeball it. You really want to measure it out um, because you get enough bleach <laughs> ingested, and that could be a problem if you're, if you're just kind of winging it on the dilution there. Hey, Doc, um, what about those spigots? Aren't there spigots that you can turn on but don't don't drip the water where the dog drinks and it only comes out when the dog drinks from it? Yeah, that's a great setup as well if you can if you can do that and if you have the water source where um, you know you can set that up outside. So yeah, that's a nice alternative as well because we definitely want to have fresh water. You know, there's so many different protozoas that can, uh, even just in a sitting bowl of water. Yeah. So whether or not we're having large amounts, things like Giardia, which is a protozoa that, you know, it's just the common everyday thing. We can find it in dog bowls, cat bowls, if the water in the bowl is not changed frequently enough. Um, so, so that is imperative. And, and definitely, we want those dogs to drink tons of water. It's good for them. Um, and especially if they're out and they're active in that high temperature, we want to give lots of fresh water for them. And it, it's a high temperature, but it's humidity, like on my on my back porch. Yeah, John, you know, you make me thrilled that I live in a desert environment. I don't have to worry about mosquitoes. I don't have to worry about green slime. You know, when you started this call, I wanted to be there in Florida with you. <laughs> now, yeah, now but, not uh, so much. Call me around Christmas time. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. What came first, the chicken or the gecko? A doctor in Australia was making some breakfast, cracking eggs in a pan, when he made a bizarre discovery. A dead gecko. Inside one of the regular chicken eggs was a dead little lizard. This is the part of the story where I tell you to put down whatever you're eating. Scientists have confirmed that yes, this was a gecko, and no, it didn't enter the egg after it was formed. The gecko could not have been ingested by the chicken and end up in an egg, so it's thought that the gecko probably crawled into the chicken's other end and ended up in this very strange animal news story. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable with today's dog tip. Last time we talked about picking a smart puppy out by using his attention span. That is, how long can he focus on one thing before becoming distracted? The longer, the better. If you've got your eye on a particular dog or puppy, here's a couple of other tests you can do that go a little bit further than just measuring how long a dog can focus. Usually a puppy under four months that can focus on any one thing for longer than 10, 15 seconds is pretty smart. Now that you've established that the dog you're interested in can do that, Here's a couple of other little tests. Have somebody hold him on a leash, and right in front of his face, take a dog treat and put it under a coffee can or a soup can. A smart dog will know right away that the treat is still there even though he can't see it. Knock the can over with his nose or paw and go at it. Just so you know, we put my uncle through this test. He ate the can. If the dog you want completes the coffee can test successfully, here's another one you can do to take it a step further. Now with your friend holding the dog on a leash, take the treat, show it to the dog, then put Put your hands behind your back and make two fists so that the treat is now concealed. Now put the two fists back in front and let the puppy or dog pick which hand your treat is in. 
Now, the last part of this test is what separates Beethoven from the idiots that are always trying to catch him in the movie. And I'll just tell you, most likely, if the dog is younger than four months, he or she probably won't be able to complete this part of the test. Well, what the heck, give it a whirl anyway. Same thing, hands behind your back, but drop the treat behind you, then bring both of your closed hands in front of you again. Most likely, the dog's going to sniff both of your hands. Then you can open both of them up to reveal the treat is gone. Where'd it go? A real smart dog is going to put it together. Or he's going to use his nose to search for the treat. And an extremely intelligent dog is going to want to walk behind you to get the treat that he knows is there. This is Abstract Thought for a Dog and the cast of Jersey Shore. Next time, we'll talk about what a dog needs to be well-adjusted, happy, and secure. And believe it or not, love isn't number one. Here is today's top automotive news stories. I'm Nick Miles. After 20 years of waiting, the fifth generation Toyota GR Supra is now at Toyota dealers across the country. The first 1,500 Supers will be launch edition models. Each one will be uniquely numbered and have distinctive features signifying exclusivity and excitement of the Supra's return. The Supra launch edition, available in absolute zero white, nocturnal black, or renaissance red, and 19-inch forged bat black alloy wheels. To find your new Supra, check out our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. On the big show today, for the season of stars, Jamie Farr. I'm sorry, I just uh, I checked out for like just a tenth of a second right there. I forgot who it was. Jamie Farr, Klinger from MASH. The cross-dressing. I don't think he's done anything since. Oh, speaking of cross-dressing, Joey Villani in today with, I, I see that, you know, you've lost a lot of weight, but you haven't got a new wardrobe yet. The pants that you're wearing look like they're about to fall off. The shirt looks like it's about to fall. It, it looks, you look, you drown in your well, shirt. Well, I clothing. was coming here. You know, it's, it's, it, it's not like we're in front of, you know, a live studio audience here. I mean, if, if people were watching me, then, you know, I figured I can come you know, dressed um, a little bit down, dressed there, How? Don't so it's not, it's not lack world. of a wardrobe. When I go out in the real world, I, I got clothes that actually fit. And in case anyone is wondering how come I sound so good today, is because <laughs> our master had me on a tight leash and sent me an email that said that I better keep my lip closer to the mic because I am, um, you know, it doesn't sound you know, I'm too cracking good. So the I just whip want everyone you. to know. I'm, cracking so the whip. I'm, like a dog, I'm like a dog whistle today, okay? You can hear me laugh. Loud and clear, baby. You do sound absolutely <laughs> phenomenal today. I'll just tell you that right now. And uh, the master is much happier because of that. You're used to TV anyway. No, he actually, he glued my bottom lip, bottom lip to the microphone. <laughs> yeah. There's a crazy glue. This will come off, right? <laughs> no, you're stuck here. Sometime. Let's see. Stacey Cohen, of course, she is in her very own news booth. She refuses to uh, join us. Join us. Here. Yes. She's it, a smart one. What are you working on? You wonder, you know, you wonder about people sometimes. Sure. Why would somebody dress up as a goat and then go hang out with them? Maybe they were oh, doing a, an intensive study or something, or some type of scientific thing. Or maybe they're just crazy. Well, there's a guy that's been hanging out in Utah, living with the goats, dressed as one. I'll tell you why and how they found him, coming up on Animal Radio News. All you had to do was say Utah. Yep. I saw that story. I love that story. The goat man, he lives with the goats. He's one with the goats. One with the goats. Yes. Yes. Well, that's a sheep, isn't Not it? Not bad. Yeah. I don't know. They both he, he, Him and the deer urine guy are friends. Are they that. really? Uh, this is good oh, to yeah. know. 
This is the kind of stuff you'll only find out right here on Animal Radio. one 405 Joey Villani, what are you going to be working on today? I am going to give you some real good grooming secrets if your dog gets a little irritation or brush burn. How to take care of it with something that you probably have in your bathroom. Probably have hmm. my toothpaste? Not no, too- not okay. toothpaste, not toothpaste. But I bet if you look under your sink, most households will have some Preparation that I'm H? Gonna talk about. I'm just thinking what's up um, Preparation H. Um, That's yeah, actually that, on my that countertop. That might work for other things, though, but you never know. <laughs> a toaster? Also on my show today. Did I say my show? That is so Freudian. That's so weird. Yeah, it's the really, master. I, I'm like... <laughs> the master. I told you. It's, you the know, master. we're going with this. The, the, the fact master. of the matter is I'm taking credit for what really is, you know, Dr. Debbie and Alan Cable and dog father Joey Villani and animal communicator Joey Turner. And I do that very well. Thank you very much. one 405 8405 And this portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Kensington Books. When homicide hits her suburban Connecticut hometown, Melanie Travis and her pedigree poodles are back on the case in Bite Club. Cozy up with your furry friend and see if you can figure out who the real killer is. Bite Club by Lorian Berenson is available everywhere books are sold. And you can learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. Thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. Coming up on the show today, actor Jamie Farr from MASH. Clinger on MASH, the cross-dresser on MASH. Oh, probably one of my favorite characters on MASH. Yeah. I love MASH. I can't wait for this. This is going to be exciting. Yes. he's uh, He started as a chinchilla farmer. Back in the day, we'll find out more about That's that funny. Uh, coming up right here on Animal Radio. Yeah, seriously. Okay, okay. I'll tell well, yeah. it, see if he has any chinchillas around. Uh, you know, yeah. We see him at the office, and you know, we can always uh, squeeze him in down here for a quick visit. Now, what is a, what is a chinchilla exactly? It's it's actually in the rodent family. Um, so the, you know, other than what people know as coats, they're the cute little gray, white creatures with those big ears. They have dust baths that they roll in. Uh, very entertaining. And uh, are they biters? You know, they can bite. Any rodent can bite. But you know, they make really good pets. And really. Um, a lot of folks, you know, don't always recognize they can have some dental problems. So that is always mm. a big thing with these guys, keeping them on a good diet. Um, but they're snuggly. They're so affectionate. And, uh, you know, good for a little bit older kids, not really young kids. Do they use litter boxes? Can you train them? You can, yeah. For most most purposes, they're pretty much cage, uh, cage animals. Mm-hmm. So you get them out for exercise, um, feed them their pellets as well as their hay. And the big thing is they get a dust bath every day. So they don't get water baths. They get dust baths. It keeps that coat so fluffy and soft to the touch. See, I wonder if that's what the birds were doing in the street. Yeah, there was some birds sitting outside in, in our dirt. Dirt, and they, there were some little holes, and they They're were making kind holes of with rolling their wings. it in them. Are you sure they weren't getting worms out now, were they? No, they know. were rolling in it. This is really hard, compacted dirt that had little yeah. indentations, and they were all rolling in it. It was very and strange. fluffing up their feathers. First time I thought, I does, maybe, it, maybe the dirt absorbs oils or something on them, cleans yeah, them? That, that, or maybe they had some bugs that they were trying to get off, and Hmm. Stacy, what are you working on? Dear God, watch what you're doing. This crazy lady, you know, she she piled all her laundry together, and obviously she didn't sort it. She just threw it in, so you know that she's probably walking around with gray whites instead of you know pink. They're probably tinted. Well, she threw her cat into the washing machine because she didn't sort her laundry correctly. I'll tell you how it came out. Coming up on Animal Radio News. Have you ever had to deal with that at your office? You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's usually the dryer that the kitty ends up in. um, Horrible injuries. So it's more common than you think. Wow. Yeah, they love to hang out in the laundry. 
Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's all about, you know, kind of hiding and burying under things. So they see that as a fun opportunity. And then, um, yeah, you just don't always know that that thump is the critter and not the, the shoe or the laundry that you might have in there. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. Well, let's hit the phones. What do you say? one 405 8405 Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. And I, I'm, I'm begging you. Spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go. Okay, yeah, so puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. It seals away the waste and replaces the dirty pad for us. Brilliant Pad keeps the Animal Radio Studios smelling fresh. In fact, all we have to do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And let me tell you, that's pretty fast and easy to do. I love it, and Ladybug gives it five paws up. You can learn more about this amazing machine over at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Stacy Cohen for Animal Radio. You know, I'm not the most, uh, I, I guess you wouldn't call me Susie Homemaker. I'm, I'm just, I don't spend that much time with my laundry and cleaning and things like that. But I do sort my whites and my darks. This Scottish woman, though, she needs to sort her cat with her darks. She's most likely going to give it a little bit more attention after she accidentally tossed her cat in the washing machine. Emma Lothian told the Scotsman that Tinker, her family's 10-week-old tortoiseshell, was apparently sleeping in the laundry basket with a pile of dirty clothes, and it wound up going through the hot water wash cycle before she was discovered. Lothian says she first noticed something was wrong when Tinker wasn't running around her legs as she did her chores. Eventually, she heard a noise coming from the washing machine. Lothian saw Tinker stuck on top of the clothes, and she pried open the door to get her out. Well, she immediately wrapped the cat in a towel and brought her to the vet and says it didn't look like Tinker was going to make it. But the vet, John Buxton, who says he's never seen a case like this, put the cat in a heated oxygen chamber and eventually made a full recovery. Yay for Tinker. Well, the Utah photographer who spotted a person dressed like a mountain goat on an Ogden hillside is describing his encounter. Cody Creighton says the photo is showing a costumed human mingling with real wild goats on Ben Lomet Peak. With the binoculars, I could clearly see it was a guy dressed up in a homemade goat suit. It was like kind of furry and matted, and he had like big leather gloves on because he's on his hands and knees crawling on the, mount- on the mountainside. State officials say mountain goats can become aggressive and inflict serious harm. They also worried that the individual who was dressed as a goat could be mistaken for wild game by hunters. Well, state wildlife officers say they heard back from the man who claimed to be the person in this homemade goat suit who was seen on the side of the mountain. The 57-year-old hunter told the Division of Wildlife Resources that he was testing out his suit in preparation for a goat hunt in Canada next year. Officers were never concerned about any law that was being broken. Instead, they were worried about the safety of anybody who would put on a homemade goat suit and go running after a herd of real mountain goats, which have real horns, by the way. And uh, they're also known to be very territorial. Firefighters in Florida, they were forced to make a big rescue this week. WFOR-TV reports Pembroke Pines Fire Rescue and the Southwest Ranch's Volunteer Fire Department were called to save Strawberry, a 900-pound pig. That is a big pig, a lot of bacon there. She fell into a pond on her way to her new home. The team says they used a ladder and a large tarp to get the animal out of the five-foot deep water, and their efforts were successful. Strawberry was eventually returned to her trailer for the 450-mile ride across Florida. 
I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Another underlying theme developing here, Judy. Uh-huh. Good friends of the show, Gary Berghoff, of course, Loretta Swit. Now, now, Jamie Farr is joining us. <laughs> ja- Jamie, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I didn't realize that. Uh, I know Loretta uh, is with uh, a- animals, actors, and others, and I didn't realize that Gary. Uh, was on your show. I, uh, I we support, of course, uh, uh, animals, actors, and others, uh, along with Betty White and Earl Holliman, and yeah, you, I'm sure, know the history of that organization. Oh, right? absolutely! And I want to talk about you because we don't have a lot of time here. Okay. You didn't start off. I mean, I guess you wanted to be an actor, but you, you had to take some of those kind of iffy jobs, right? Before, so. Oh yeah. I, are you kidding? Yeah, one of them. Uh, uh, yeah, actually, I tell this story quite often. Uh, uh, when I was uh, studying theater uh, in Hollywood, I had to take a job as a, uh, a in a chinchilla ranch uh, <laughs> where I had to clean out the dropping pans. Clint Eastwood was uh, in the class. He was cleaning out swimming pools, and a wonderful actor by the name of Robert Donner, who used to be on Mork and Mindy Exeter, uh, he used to have to clean out the theater. So uh, we we had these three cleaning jobs. Uh, we lost Robert Donner this past year, the yes, wonderful sorry, actor. Yes. Of course, we know what happened to Clint Eastwood and Jamie Farr. <laughs> so, so working on a chinchilla f- a farm or chinchilla ranch, cleaning up poop, eventually... <laughs> a bit, a- yeah, that's, uh, I, was, I was really raking it in then. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. When you got hired for MASH, it was like for one episode, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, Gary and Loretta... Uh, were assigned to the show right from the beginning, and I was sort of just a uh, tack on. I was a one-day uh, day player. I came on, I think I got $250 for the day. Uh-huh. I had like four lines on the show, and uh, the next thing I knew, they kept calling me back. I did about six shows that first year, and then I came back the second year, did about 12 shows. And then on the, in the third year, they signed me to a contract. Wow, that's you know I always thought you were the uh, the most sane person on that show. There, <laughs> you have a, a warped way of looking at the world. I'm afraid, Al. <laughs> yeah, he does. I understand that uh, there was a book that you put out in 2003. I believe I'm guessing Joy is your wife. Yes, uh, Joy is. Uh, uh, we, we've been, uh, I, I, I often say I've been with the same woman for 44 years, and if my <laughs> wife ever finds out. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, two children. We have a son uh, who's married and uh, blessed us with a grandchild. Uh, and uh, our daughter's 30, uh, 34 years old, and uh, she's unmarried. We're, we're, we're looking around trying to find some uh, nice young man. I've, I've got a wonderful line I tell everybody, and Alan Alda gave it to me. He says, you know why uh, grandparents and grandchildren are so close? is because they have a common enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Well, we have a lot of animal lovers listening, and, you know, animal lovers would make uh, a good spouse, I would imagine. I think so. Yes, they do. You know, my wife is the, my wife is the Pied Piper. If there is an animal out there, they will go to her. She is the kindest, sweetest thing that you have ever imagined in your life. We've, we've always had pets. Uh, we, had, we, we had a, uh, a pet. I bought her a, a, a poodle uh, years and years ago, and then we found a stray dog. 
and brought that dog in. And uh-huh. then uh, we have now three cats in our house. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I can't think of one time when we didn't have animals in the house. And uh, if, you, if you are an animal and you come and stay at our house, you're going to be spoiled. Because <laughs> my wife will do everything in the world to make that animal comfortable and happy. A five-star resort there. I wanted to go back to the book. The book is about a camel. The camel, I guess, was an uh, inspiration from the MASH series? Oh, you're talking about the one that my wife and I wrote yes. called The uh, Baby's uh, Christmas. Yes. Yes, uh, that was a children's book. The particular camel, was that something you did introduce on MASH? Yeah, it was an imaginary camel that I had named Habibi, which means sweetheart in Arabic. And so uh, what we decided, why don't we create a uh, uh, Habibi uh, marries uh, his wife Habiba, and they have a baby called Hababy. So. <laughs> I know we don't have a lot of time. I want to mention that 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. all day Monday, it's, it's like a marathon. It's it a, 12- a marathon. It's a MASH marathon, which I host. I do all the wraparounds for it. And it's uh, 20 episodes of uh, half-hour episodes of matches that I have selected. Uh, a lot of them featuring me, of course, uh, of course. flying over the compound with fuzzy pink slippers, showing up as uh, the Statue of Liberty when General MacArthur's arriving, uh, eating a Jeep, uh, uh, being Zoltan, the, uh, the great gypsy fortune teller, uh, and uh, any, any number of things that I have done on the, uh, on the show over the 11 years. It's just a fun day, and I know if, if you're a fan, you'll enjoy it, and if you've never seen the show, here's a wonderful opportunity to see a great, great television series. And it's on the Hallmark Channel Monday. So if you're off Monday and you, you need something to do, this is an awesome way to spend your Monday watching the MASH bash with Klinger hosting. Jamie Farr, of course, joining right. us. Right, and of course you'll see you'll see Loretta and Gary on there, and you know how much they love uh, the animals. Absolutely. So, uh, that's a good, good, another good reason to watch the, uh, the, the day's events. Jamie, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, and you have a good, safe day. It's Vinny Penn, your party animal, coming at you on Animal Radio. You know, I was just thinking the other day about something very interesting. I've admitted here on the air before, when I was very, very, very little to being afraid of dogs, which is why I understand my daughter's fear of dogs. And then, of course, we wound up owning two, and they were two of the greatest loves of my life, my two dogs, Rocky and uh, Cruiser. But I was remembering the other day that, what doesn't help, because somebody almost said it to my daughter, and I stopped them, is when you're told, oh, don't be afraid of dogs, they can smell fear, you know. No six-year-old wants to hear the word, they can they can smell, they'll know I'm afraid. Oh, and if they smell, I remember someone specifically saying to me, they'll smell the fear. First of all, fear doesn't even have a scent. But somebody said to me, they'll smell it on you, and it drives them up. Because next thing you know, you're walking by a dog, and you're like, I'm not afraid of you. You certainly can't smell that fair. What are you looking at? There's no reason to look. And there is this weird kind of electric in the air current thing happens that a dog will start barking. I remember one time walking by a dog. I'm not afraid. I'm not, just looking straight ahead. I'm not afraid. And he started looking at it, side eyes at it. Well, oh, you look you're, you're walking like a young boy who's afraid of me. And now I'm going to give you something to be afraid of. What is it with the they can smell the fear thing? I don't even understand that. And if that were the case, wouldn't dogs just be beefing with skunks? Wouldn't it just be something out of West Side Story? 
the dogs and the skunks rather than the jets and the sharks. Don't tell little kids that dogs can smell the fear. That is Vinnie Penn's mantra on this week's Party Animal. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Mayles, the 2020 Chevrolet Silverado 1500 with the all-new 3-litre Duramax turbo diesel. Gets an EPA-estimated rating of 33 miles per gallon highway and 23 miles per gallon in the city. The EPA estimates fuel economy for the four-wheel drive models is 29 miles a gallon on the highway 23 city. Tim Hendricks, Silverado chief engineer, says the engine uses state-of-the-art technology to optimize every drop of fuel. To find your new Silverado, go to our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Our auto expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. You can learn more at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. And let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Mark on the phone. Hey, Mark, what's up? Yeah, I'm an 11-year-old rat terrier, and he's never had his teeth cleaned, and I'm getting a lot of frightening numbers when I just called around to vets. Is there any way of doing this in a cheaper way? Okay. $800 and stuff like that. Okay. And you know, oh gosh, you know, Mark, it's it's really hard to give an accurate number for a dental cleaning over the phone, first of all, um, especially if your baby's never had teeth cleaning. Um, in 11 years, there's a lot of stuff that can settle in and a lot of problems that can settle along those gums. Um, right. So the hard thing is to try to find a price-conscious price, conscious price uh, for a dental cleaning and one that's going to still do, do your doggy uh, justice. So for me, I'd make sure if you're getting those quotes over the phone, the first thing would be to make sure you do get someone to actually look in your dog's mouth and to see because some dog mouths are really quite horrendous and have a lot of work that needs to be done others may not be so bad so before you make that judgment on on where you're going to go with things um get that uh you know eyeball on your dog's eye uh mouth if you will um but as far as uh cost of the dental cleaning it's going to depend a lot on what we've got going on so a basic dental cleaning may just in be scaling, polishing, taking tartar off the teeth. But if we've got loose teeth, we need antibiotics, or if there's going to be the need for surgical extractions, then that price definitely goes up. So um, while I don't have a Yes, an easy answer for that. Um, you might just check around, do a little bit of shopping. Um, but some other alternatives for folks, if you're looking for dental care and maybe you need that and you know you need an $800 dental cleaning that entails extractions and antibiotics and pain medicine and you know that's something your dog needs, you can look for some other resources if you're looking to get some help for that. One tip might be to check if you're in a state that has a veterinary school, um, they train veterinarians to clean dogs' teeth. Um, and many uh, schools also, many states also have veterinary technology programs. So basically the vet nurses that do this procedure in the vet offices. So if you check to see if those type of uh, schools are in your area, you might be able to come in um, at a discounted rate. Um, kind of like my mom, when we were kids, we always went to the hairdresser and it was the hairdresser school. Um, so we never really had a professional uh, haircut when we were kids. But 
you know, hey, it was great. It helped, you know, future hairstylists get a good education, and my mom saved some money on that. So there's no harm in that. So um, if you need some resources there, you can check out uh, veterinaryschools.com as well as just searching for veterinary accredited schools. Outside of that, if you're looking for other assistance financially for veterinary care, the Humane Society does have a listing of some different resources state by state that you might be able to find to help you with the costs of um, veterinary care. Um, But I guess the bottom line here, Mark, is that when we have those teeth that haven't been touched by a veterinarian in 11 years, it's going to take some work. Um, So um, I would be cautious. Um, Anybody can clean teeth, but if we leave diseased teeth in, then we're not doing your doggy any good. So unfortunately, cost uh, may guide you towards the best veterinary care that your doggy needs. I have another question. He just went through a bout with being constipated pretty bad. I mean, I got to the point I was giving him enemas and stuff. I don't know what caused it, but I he eats pretty good food, cleaner one beyond, and, and uh, okay. has no in it or anything. Also, I have a question about bones. He loves bones, and I know cow bones, he can't chew them up and eat them so much. He leaves it behind. But I know with the pork bones, he can chew them and eat them and swallow the whole bone. Is that bad for him? Yeah, I am not a fan of bones, I'll tell you that. Any bones, whether they're cow bones or pork bones, any bone that a dog chews on can be exercised for the teeth. Now, if your doggy has rotten teeth and he needs them cleaned, I'm going to tell you, take those bones away, because that's going to be painful for him while he, until he gets his teeth taken care of. But any bones that dogs chew, they can break off shards, get those stuck. Um, I've seen bone shards go down the esophagus, get puncture through into the respiratory tract it can really be some bad stuff so it's not the best way to deal with um, maintaining dental care Um, and then I also want to ask you regarding the constipation thing there Mark um, is your dog neutered yes he is okay great because that would be something that can be a cause if a dog's not neutered a male dog's not neutered they can have prostate problems so you might you might make sure you get your your little guy into the vet and just um you know have them look at from the head to toe and see what's going on there dietary wise a lot of times we can uh, find some solutions for constipation and you know sometimes something as simple as giving canned pumpkin can help kind of loosen up the stools or even bulk them up a little bit and give your your fella, your old fella there, 11-year-old rat here, give him a pat on the head from us and uh, all our best doggy wishes for him. All right, thank you. I'll look into that vet school. Is it generally more expensive for a cat or a dog to get their teeth cleaned? You know, I think it tends to be more expensive for cats because most people don't see the need for regular preventative care for cats, so it gets a lot more advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with anything, prevention, prevention, sometimes that 150 to $250 bill seems like a lot for regular cleaning. But, you know, if it helps put off these bigger problems down the road. Mm. Um, and for God's sake, get rid of those bones. And even yeah. even rawhide, too. I guess uh, compressed rawhide is what you re- recommend, right. isn't it? Yeah, I'm a fan of that just because it lasts longer, gives them a good chewing ability. Um, but, you know, any pet that has injured teeth, if they're... They have advanced dental disease or we have problem teeth. That's not how we want to intervene. So I, that's when I take those chew toys away and make sure we get the teeth taken care of before you reintroduce mm. reintroduce that. That's all we have time for today. Remember to check us out at our Facebook page at facebook.com slash animal radio. And in fact, you like us over there. 
We have prizes all week long, and I think we're starting a brand new contest. Uh, I'll have to check with our social networking director, Allie. Mm-hmm. She's doing a wonderful job over there. Uh, we're also on your Twitter. You can tweet us at Animal Radio. You can write us emails at yourvoiceatanimalradio.com or call us at one 405 8405 We're here all week long. I'm losing my voice. Yes, you Good are. Thing Good thing it's the end, end of the show, show yes. <laughs> I want to thank Jamie Farr for joining us today. The season of stars continues next weekend with, uh, we don't know yet, but you'll you'll find out when you join us for more Animal surprise, Radio. Surprise, surprise. Thanks. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.